Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, here we are back after uh, uh, a pretty sporadic uh, time, uh, a slow posting uh, this summer, but you know, summertime is a crazy busy time when you are, uh, you know, you have a student pastoring responsibilities at your church uh, as of now. And so uh, you've been crazy busy. Yeah, man. Well, you know, we got a transition um, here at the church. Uh, our senior pastor is retiring in at the end of September. And so I'll be taking over as senior pastor. Uh, our new director of families and worship, uh, Dale Campbell, is here. And so we've been trying to get him acclimated. He'll come under care and start uh, seminary and get him kind of towards the process of ordination. So we're trying to get that ball rolling. And June was just crazy. I think I calculated over a thousand miles of travel um, dur- during the month of June. I went to went to Conway, Arkansas and preached uh, back at uh, my, my old church. Um, and then we went to General Assembly and you, you and I were at General Assembly with uh, 2,300 of our closest friends uh, there in Birmingham, Alabama for for a week um, doing the business of the church. And then we came back and had a week off before I took 20 teenagers to to RYM, our denomination's youth conference uh, in Panama City, Florida. And so, yes, uh, this is now the next three weeks. There's not a whole lot. not not a, not a lot of travel, not a lot going on as we prepare for school to start. Um, mm-hmm. So there's definitely a lot going on, but not any travel involved. And I'm happy to be back. Well, uh, we're we're glad uh, glad you had uh, safe travel, and we're glad to be back with our listeners today. And we're taking a, a little a pause in our series on the Old Testament, uh, seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, and dealing with uh, kind of a hot topic for Christians, and that is social media. Uh, I have written an article for uh, our church and shared it with some other uh, PCA ministers uh, that I know uh, about thinking through what does it mean to be a Christian and how I conduct myself on social media. So we're gonna we'll we'll get that that article posted and send a link to that as well. And so uh, this episode is really going to be talking through some of the points that I made in that. Uh, but before we get into that, Gage, you know, in the in the two thousand year history of the church, we've got a lot of agreement about what Scripture teaches about a number of things that we encounter. I can I can read in Scripture and get some good guidance on what it means to be a godly husband, uh, what it means to be a godly um, son, what it means to be a godly uh, employee. Uh, I've got the, the Bible speaks to a number of things that give and gives us a great deal of guidance. Um, however, when we come to the topic of social media, the Bible 
does not directly address it. Obviously, the Bible is a 2,000-year-old book, and so social media, less than 2,000 years old, if you're doing the math. Uh, and so how can we think through how we as Christians ought to conduct ourselves online? And, and Gage, why does this matter so much? Well, that's what I was going to ask, Scott. You, you wrote, wrote the article. Um, what was going on that that compelled you? What was the intent? What was the background? If you don't mind sharing, kind of what sparked your conversation? And I know what sparked our conversation to even do an episode on this. But uh, tell me, kind of a little bit about what what kind of spurred you on to even write the article. Well, I, I won't get into any like. Uh, I'll just I'll speak broadly to that, and that is sure um, yeah, because sure. It, uh, anything less than broad uh, would be. M- more specific than is helpful, um, sure. because the the if I speak broadly, then I'll be able to cover things that every pastor of every church, and that is, hey, there's a lot going on in the world politically. There's That's a right. lot of hot topics. Uh, election, the uh, the the election uh, uh, causes a, a, a super hyper focus from people on social media. People that don't maybe uh, tweet or post on Facebook or Instagram about politics. Uh, the other 11 months out of the year, maybe when it's an election season and people are thinking about it more, they deal with it a whole lot more. And as you might imagine, people are pretty divided on a number of things. And so we've got to be um, extra careful that as uh, believers in Christ, that we are conducting ourselves in a way that is gracious, that is kind, and that we're not you know, arguing with fellow church members, especially arguing with other Christians in, in such a way that paints the church in an in an ugly light. So how do I uh, stand for truth? How do I share my views on this or that? Um, how do I maybe respond to questions or comments? Do I respond to questions and comments? How do I do that in a way that is um, that is truthful, but is also winsome. So uh, that's uh, that's sort of the, the short answer because I've seen there's not all Christians agree on all things. Uh, there are there's a number of issues that we we had we talked about this on our politics in the pulpit issue uh, episode. Uh, there are although the Bible speaks about uh, a lot of moral issues, the Bible doesn't talk about what the minimum wage law should be if there should that's be right. one how much it should be the bible does not talk about um economic policies as many as as much as people want to read modern day western uh capitalist economics back into the text it it really doesn't in any with any specificity speak to those things um so issues like health care uh as they relate to what should the government pay for my health care should i pay for it on my own how what should the tax policy be does everybody pay the same amount do the wealthy pay a greater percentage should our tax be flat or should it be progressive or should we have a national sales tax those are not really issues that i can get uh answers to from scripture um, and, and if I'm making the argument that Scripture speaks on those things, I'm pr- I'm on pretty shaky foundation, and I'm probably mm-hmm. spreading the biblical butter a little thin. So we as Christians need to be really careful how we represent what is the Christian position on certain issues, especially as they relate to some of the ones I mentioned, whether it be uh, the role of the government, uh, whether when it regards to uh, um, economic issues, um, national defense, a number of things like that. 
Um, and so, so I, I want I want to give Christians a way to think through it. And so, um, but the first thing I want to to say about social media is uh, social media is not real community. Uh, go ahead, Gage. Hop in there. Well, before before we get get into that a little bit, you you asked asked the question. Um, why, why does this matter? So I appreciate your thoughts there. I mean, and you're absolutely right. This, this kind of comes on piggybacking off of the, the politics of the pulpit, uh, episodes that we did. We did two of those. Um, one, the second one more kind of clarifying some things we said in the first episode, but that ended up being one of our most popular episodes. Wasn't the most popular. We just, uh, posted again, our most popular episode with Chad Bird, but, um, Everywhere I go, where I interact with somebody that's listening to the podcast, uh, one of the first things they say was, man, I really enjoyed the politics in the pulpit um, conversation. And so this kind of led into that, right? We have everything that's kind of going on in the culture. And then um, in our small world, as uh, commissioners of the Presbyterian Church in America, right? And in our, our small context in the reform bubble, um, every year leading up to our national meeting, General Assembly, there, there seems to be kind of a wave, right? Um, there are these, these sections of these groups um, in our denomination, some, some arguing for a more tr- true reformed perspective, some arguing for a more evangelical perspective, both of them believing they're uh, faithful Presbyterians, and, and in many ways they are. Um, but they kind of ramp up their blogs, ramp up their podcasts, ramp up their articles, ramp up their positions, um, getting ready kind of for a perceived fight, right? And then uh, it always has happened. This is uh, this is like my fourth or fifth General Assembly this time around, second as a commissioner. It always happens about two weeks before there, there, there comes the, can't we all get along? Let, we just want peace. Let's all, let's all cool down articles, blogs, podcast, right. And it all happens on social media. All the feelings have to be shared because if you didn't share it on Facebook, did it actually happen, which gets right. into a little bit into this real community concept. So you right. have, you, you have that happening in our world specifically two weeks prior to that, you saw all of our Baptist brothers and sisters doing the exact same thing with the, with, with the convention uh, in, in Anaheim um, and all, all that was going on there. Uh, literally the same mood. You saw the OPC the week before doing the same thing kind of in our broader reform world. Um, so as that's kind of all the same kind of rhythms are happening, you, Smack dab in the middle of that, you have the 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 Dodd decision and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And as you expect, and it's still kind of there's remnants of it, social media loses its mind for like a week and a half. And everybody is at everybody's throat about everything. And as it was is kind of in the same temperature as the pulpit politics in the pulpit there, there, there are two kind of three camps, right? Here's why you need to celebrate it. Here's why you shouldn't celebrate the decision. And if you're pastor, I mean, I, and I saw this 
and I saw this from from guys that I know at churches that I know. If your pastor isn't saying something about this in the pulpit, if he isn't saying something about this on social media, you should probably change churches, right? Yeah. And that and that sort of like angry vitriol of like, I have to have an opinion about everything. Michael Kruger will post this article in the show notes. Michael Kruger had a fantastic article that he wrote on his website about, hey, pastor, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. Amen. A hot take. And that leads us into what you mentioned in your article here, that social media is not a real community. Um, Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, yeah. So the first thing we want to say is social media is, although it is a wonderful tool for a number of things, it's a great way to see cute pictures of puppies and your family at the beach, all in matching white shirts and khaki shorts. Um, first day of school pictures. Um, great way to connect with classmates. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got a I've got a, a high school class reunion coming up and hey, all the planning and coordinating of that's happening on social media. It's great for that. Our church streams its services on Facebook Live mm-hmm. uh, and we have some some shut ins whose health is is uh, compromised who who uh, participate from online and we're they are and we are grateful uh, that they're able to do that. So that's a that's a good and useful thing. But with all of that said, Social media is not real community. Therapists are reporting record numbers of people who are feeling isolated and anxious and sad, and no amount of Facebook friends seems to be able to remedy their deep feeling of being disconnected. So there's an old joke. uh, I think it was in an Adam Sandler movie that said, uh, it seems that the more friends you have on Facebook, the less friends you have in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's actually probably some truth to that. It, it is possible for people to, to, to have thousands of friends on social media and actually very few vibrant, real face-to-face friendships that you break bread with and talk to. So what does that mean? It means that social media doesn't actually deliver what it promises. It That's actually, right. it actually doesn't help me feel more connected. It's a great way to let everybody, you know, I, I when we've got a, a potluck coming up at church, I will uh, send an email out through our email platform that the church uses to communicate with its members. But then also at the, uh, in the day before and the morning of, I'll also throw something up on our church's Facebook page. Just in case you miss the email, maybe you'll see it there. It's wonderful for that sort of thing. Last minute change of plans, things like that. So we just need to know what this tool is and what it isn't. Yeah. And, and to that point, I'm especially seeing this in the, in the Gen Z generation in, in, in students that I hang out with. Um, there's a, there's a great documentary. If you're a documentary person on, on Facebook called the social dilemma, definitely on on Netflix, on Netflix. I'm sorry. What did I say? Yeah. You said on Facebook, yeah. On Facebook. Yeah. Sorry. Everything is Facebook. It's on, it's on Netflix. Apologies there. Um, so it's on Netflix. Great. Um, Great, great, great doc- documentary. Uh, I honestly wish every uh, student pastor would sit his kids down and, and take a, a, a night to walk, walk through it. But um, one of the things that it pointed out in the documentary that I thought was telling is when 
Instagram came onto the scene 2014 ish, um, the percentage of depression, anxiety, and, and suicide in teenage girls skyrocketed over 200% since, since the, the inception of Instagram. Um, now, does that mean Instagram is evil? No, not necessarily. But um, what it is telling of, to, the, to your point here about real and fake community, is the, the unintended consequences that came from the need for constant validation from a community on a screen. Right. That's right. And so you saw, you saw that level of, of um, we didn't kind of Pandora's box. You didn't expect happening. The other thing I watched it this, this last week at RYM. So my kids are hanging out and, you know, we had gone to a, to a different camp the year before. This is our first year at RYM. And so we're talking, comparing camps and talking through things. And one of the things they said was, well, we really liked the other camp that had events where we were kind of uh, in rooms where we could get to know other kids in other churches. And I said, well, kids, I mean, you've got there. Just go on the beach and go just go talk to people. Like there's 600 people here. Just you want to make friends at other churches. Just go for it. And it dawned on me, they don't know how to do that. Mm. But like they literally, because of the way social media has formatted this perception of community, my kids don't know how to just walk up to someone on the beach and say, hey, my name is such and such. What is your name? How are you? Mm. Do you want to be friends? Let's connect and hang out right? Unless they're put in a situation where things are structured to force them into interaction, like a social media platform, they literally don't know how to just walk up and make friends. Well, and, and actually that, that leads to, that leads to, uh, if there already is a social awkwardness is if, if, if social media is actually making me socially awkward in real life, then what it also has the propensity to do is to make me because what do, what's one of the things that socially awkward people struggle with knowing what's appropriate to share and what's right. not appropriate to share. Um, right. There is um, there's a, a great any any counselor health, mental health provider will tell you there's a there's a great a benefit from journaling or keeping a diary or putting your thoughts and your feelings down on paper and 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 what a what a wonderful uh ability that is to help me clarify my thinking is just to get it out of my head and onto paper and look at it and there's a, a catharsis that happens with that it's just super helpful however not everything that I would write in my journal or my diary is appropriate to share on the internet. There are things that uh, gauge that I share with you and that you share with me that are uh, that as as close friends and fellow ministers are 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 good and right and appropriate that we talk about. Yes. Um but those things are all are not all worthy to share on the internet. It is appropriate for me to be undressed in front of my wife. It is not appropriate for me to be undressed in front of everyone else. And so, uh, and, and that is what, yeah. that is what social media, 
blurs it, it it blurs that and um and, and 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 so you see people as you scroll through and you say oh my word i can't believe that they actually said that in That's a right. public forum um i when I want to know what the best burger place is in my town or who's a good landscaper, hey, let's ask that to everybody. Hey, what's it? hey Hot Springs residents? Um, I'm changing to a new car insurance company. Anybody got a local agent they'd like to recommend? That's right. That's great. But if one of my kids is struggling with something and I need some advice, I'm not going to ask everybody in town about that. That's, That's right. just unwise. That's just foolish. And social media invites that sort of confusion. And, and so, um, yeah, so that, that's part of, that's part of, of the, 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 uh, the, the problem with thinking that everything that can be shared ought to be shared. And so there's a, a you know, my favorite quote, a wise man once said nothing. <laughs> you don't have to share every thought that bubbles up into your head. That's right. And and Gage, I have said that to some to some young people and yep. some old people who are captive to social media. Hey, right. I know you had that thought and it bubbled up in your head. You didn't actually have to post that. And they look at me the way I as the way they would look at me if I said, "You ought to chop off your right hand." That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, but, but, but it's Facebook, but, but it's but a it's, real feeling I had. And right. so they go, Hey, uh, um, I'm happy. I'll tell Facebook. I'm sad. I'll tell Facebook. Somebody cut me off in traffic. I'll tell Facebook. I've got a hard to identify rash on the back of my thigh. Here's a picture of it. I'll tell Facebook. Oh, um, you're, you're not wrong though. And, and, and here's the, here's the irony of the situation in, in seminary and in, in Bible college, as pastors, we are regularly, and there's pl- there's a plethora of books out here that do the same thing. We are regularly told, "Hey, as your kids get older, they should not be fodder for your sermon illustrations, right? You should you shouldn't post their their failings out into the public of the church for everybody to know." And that's that's wise advice. Right. Every time my kid screws up, shouldn't be an example uh, of sin and disobedience for the whole, all the church to be able to have uh, feelings and, and, and opinions about. Right. We wouldn't want that to be true. Right. Um, you wouldn't as a pastor we're, and as pastors, we're we're confided in with a lot of personal information, marriage struggles, personal struggles, family history, things going on with your kids. They, you're not supposed to then share that with in your in your sermon, right? Little, you know, Scott told me this week that he he struggles with da 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 da, right? right? Like that, like that doesn't happen in a sermon. That's wildly inappropriate. What is what is the separation then mm-hmm. of that then becoming the thing that is okay to post on your That's social right. media platform? Or the thing, the thing that you need to say. Help me understand the the cognitive dissonance. You, you use a ten dollar word, or right. two words actually, but that that um, that happens for for that 
to be now appropriate. And I think it's honestly because as a church culture, we we have lost a couple of things. We've lost the ability to actually develop community. We don't know how to hang out together. Mm. We don't know. We don't know how to do the one another's together. Confess, send to one another, share prayer requests with one another, love one another, bear with one another, lift one another up. We don't know how to do the one another's. We're really bad at it. Um, and then the the second thing uh, that we've just kind of lost is the ability to dialogue. And that, and that kind of kind of gets into uh, later on your article some of the specifics that you you yeah. the Chris, Christian specifics that you get into. We don't have the ability. I mean, really, as a society in general, I can't disagree with you because if I disagree with you, I hate you. Um, but more That's importantly, exactly right. I, I preempt my disagreement and hatred by going ahead and just taking the first blow. If I take the first blow you verbally speaking by being super brave behind my thumbs, you can't hurt me. That's exactly right. So um, I I want to, not only is social media not real to quote, uh, if I could quote something Dave Chappelle said on the, the, the tonight show, uh, Mm -hmm. Twitter is a bathroom wall. That's right. Why would I share my most intimate thoughts on a bathroom wall? Uh, That's a, that's a pretty compelling point. That's, That's a right. pretty compelling point. That's right. Um, um, point number one, you are not required to ever post anything. There's no law. There's nothing that says that you even have to have a social media presence. Mm-mm. Christian, something has happened in the world. You are, the world is not owed your hot take on that, your commentary on that. Um, and so, I see something that I find offensive. Um, I I don't have to engage with it. I mm-hmm. just don't. I would never scroll through and see someone's uh, a picture of their baby. I would never respond. That's an ugly baby. No. But we all feel perfectly privileged to say, that's a stupid point you just made. That's right. Yeah. We, we believe that we can actually tell people that a viewpoint that they have just shared is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's some ugly babies, but I don't have to tell them that their baby is ugly. Nope. And there are some, there are some foolish points on Facebook. I'm not required as a Christian to engage with every single one of those. I just don't have to. And I can't communicate my heart and my attitude and my emotion with it because I'm not, if you gauge, if you post something on social media and that, that I disagree with and you, all of your friends hop on and they say, man, way to go gauge. That's such a great point. If I then, if I then push back with a different view, I'm not just arguing now with you. I'm arguing with you and all of your friends. And it is the digital equivalent of when a man back in Victorian days would slap a man in the face with his gloves and challenge him to a duel. I have suddenly besmirched your reputation. And now you are, you are required to defend yourself in a significant way. Mm -hmm. Otherwise your friends are going to think you're a coward. And so it's just, 
people say things to one another on social media that they would never say uh, to one another if they're just sitting across the table from one another over a beer or a cup of coffee. Hundred percent. So it's an it's a it's an ugly. It, it can it, people say things on keyboards and with their thumbs through their smartphone that they would never say to another human being in person. And it's it, it, it so it doesn't generate authentic interaction. And so um, just as we ought not have these hard conversations on social media, we also ought to not have these through text messaging. That's like, right. hey, I'm not going to have this with you. I'm not going to have this debate or this dialogue with you on text because you can't see my face. You can't know my heart. And it's just it's just too awkward. Stop mm. it. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned the, the, the besmirched my reputation. You, you, that was a way more elegant uh, analogy. I was more thinking it akin to, um, you know, WrestleMania during the attitude era, right. Is what it kind of feels like. I've got yeah. my group of guys. You, you better have your group of guys or you're going to get jumped um, yeah. in NWO style, right. With the spray sure. paint on your back, but like yeah, the, 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 the jets and the sharks from West side story. Yeah. <laughs> Again, um, you, you, I guess you didn't watch wrestling like I did in the nineties, but um, anyway, so all, all that to say, yeah, it, it's, it's not helpful. Tone is not conveyed over text. Bravery happens um, in an unhealthy way over, over false bravery happens over screens. That's right. It, um, it, if I post a comment, sometimes if I, on my own wall, but if if I respond to somebody's post with an uh, with disagreement, it is off. Unfortunately, it is often received the same way it would be received if I tied a note to a rock and threw it th- through their front window. That's right. Um, and so it it's just a it's it's not an, a, a good way to communicate. It just, it just isn't. Um, and so I, I, yeah, let's, let's move on because we, we, uh, uh, I want to move through how we as Christians, um, and, and as pastors and church leaders, how we think through these things. And, and the first thing I want us to say is as Christians, we don't belong to ourselves. That's right. We don't, I, I am not my own. I was bought with a price. That's my only, what is the question? One of the Heidelberg catechism, That's right. what is your only comfort in life and death? And, and Heidelberg gives this answer. That's the opposite of self-esteem. It says that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, the first thing we need to say is that I need to let the kingship of Jesus and his authority inform how I act in the workplace, how I act in my marriage, how I act uh, uh, in the church, how I act in my relationship to my kids. And it also ought to inform how I act online. That's right. Uh, And and let me, let me say this, just try to give some freedom here. Um, Christian and by extension, pastors, you're not less of either of those things to not say anything and, and actually engage in the world, real world to not have an opinion, to not have a hot take, to not have to speak to something doesn't mean you don't care. Doesn't yet. You could have strong opinions about life 
and about about pro-life ways in which to care for uh, people from the womb to the tomb. And that you could be engaging in your community in really helpful ways and loving your neighbors well. And and none of that ever makes social media. And that's okay. That's uh, right. To, to say that the only way that the church can flourish and thrive is if I get online and I engage online is to mean that the church never flourished and thrived before there was an internet. That, that's um, totally right. And think about think about the logic behind this. Here's what happens. You you add a Ukrainian flag to your social media post, either your profile picture or your tw- Twitter handle. Uh, and that that lets everybody know you stay in with Ukraine. And then nothing ever happens. You don't you don't you haven't given any money. You haven't tried to con- contribute to MA, for example, in the PCA Mission North America to help uh, give to their relief fund. You haven't tried to send books and things over to Christians that are trying to meet in houses amidst the rubble. And mm-hmm. and and nothing in the war has actually changed, but you changed your profile picture. So that somehow communicated, I did something for the cause. And that's that's a false uh, narrative, and that's actually damaging and not helpful. So, so this goes back to your point, though, of you belonging to Jesus. And so... As a citizen of heaven and not a citizen of the metaverse, right? Um, how do we engage? What does that need to look like? Uh, Scott, what are some simple ways in, in which we can think through what our social interaction should be, if, if anything at all? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, and uh, because Goodness, we could spend an enormous amount of time talking about this because it is it is so uh, prevalent and it is such a huge thing that our uh, our folks are dealing with. Um, it every single member of our church, almost all of our members are are online in some capacity. So what what we did in our what, what what I've done as a Presbyterian minister, as I'm thinking about how to engage with my members, is um, we actually put when you join a, a Presbyterian church, we ask people five membership questions. Um, they they come before the, the the elders, and we talk through what those questions are, and then they come before the church and they answer these five. Uh, very basic membership questions about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a member of a local church. And so I, I have written this article where we walk through the five membership questions and answer the question, what does it mean to say yes to these five questions in in how we engage on social media? So we have those five membership questions, and those five member qu- membership questions unpack what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a member of of a church, what it means to be under the authority of elders, and so uh, it's gonna. We have uh, that's gonna take more than we have time for this episode if we're gonna keep it at our normal half hour, thirty five minute ish episode length. So this has been part one where we've just sort of hopefully whetted your appetite and talked about the problem. And so on part two, which will be coming out really quickly, we will walk through those five questions and answer uh, how do I uh, conduct myself online while still recognizing what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be under the oversight of a local church. That's right. And 
As always, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Speaking of social media platforms, you can uh, engage with us there if you'd like. Um, hopefully, this has been helpful. You can kind of give some thoughts and push back before we get into part two. Um, and, and as we get into part two, we're going to provide information both for uh, the, the church member and for the pastor. Because um, a lot of our, our brothers, man, we, we don't do this well. And so we need to have some honest conversation there. You can engage with us uh, there. You can always hit us up uh, at contact at assuranceofpardon.com via email as well. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time for part two, Scott, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless. God bless.